Hi, I'm Mark Priestley. After a life spent in the elite environment of the Formula One pit lane learning how to win, this podcast aims to bring that elusive, high-performance culture into your daily lives. In this week's episode, I'm asking, what would you do if someone offered you your dream job in Formula One? Plus, on the back of World Mental Health Day, could it have inadvertently given us some great advice to help us achieving our goals and successes a bit more quickly? Welcome back to Pit Lane Life Lessons. Talk about how Formula One teams are so successful. Tiny things. You only find those tiny things when you look for them. Of course, there's only one winner in every Grand Prix, so for everybody else, you haven't won. So it could be deemed that that's a failure. Hello everybody and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. Thank you all as ever for joining wherever it is you are in the world, however it is you're listening, whatever it is you're up to, I genuinely appreciate every single one of you. I got lots of messages over the last week about last week's episode, so thank you so much. If you haven't yet listened to it, go check it out. Uh, You can find it in all of the places that you get your podcasts from. Uh, I'd love it if you do enjoy this episode or any of the others that you would just spend a moment to engage by liking, following, subscribing, depending on how you're watching or listening. And if you can take a moment to give this podcast a very quick review and a rating, that would just be amazing. I would genuinely really, really appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, And it's a big, big thank you to Car Gods. Uh, Car Gods are back again this week, sponsoring this episode. And I'm truly grateful for the help and support that they're giving me. I'm hoping that this relationship is going to blossom into something even bigger. And we're already having conversations around that. So they have bought into the kind of messages that I'm delivering through this podcast. And the reason they've done that is because we're so closely aligned in our beliefs and our values. Car Gods produced car detailing and car care products, and it's all about the detail. My background in Formula One has meant that I've always had detail at the heart of everything that I've done ever since spending those 10 years working at McLaren. And car guards are all about the detail, not just making your car look incredible, but protecting it, trying to minimise the amount of work that you have to do to keep your car operating the way it should and looking the way we want them to if we've got a car that we're proud of. So go check out cargods.com for all of your car detailing needs uh, and car care needs. There's some amazing stuff on there. We're building up to Christmas. There's some great examples of gifts and presents uh, for the people in your life that you know are into cars and have a a passion for keeping them looking great as well. So check out cargos.com and thank you to them for sponsoring the episode. Now, this week, what I want to do, I touched on it a moment ago. I said I got a number of messages from lots of you this week, which is always great to receive. Lots of you saying how you're enjoying the podcasts. People write to me, they DM me, they put comments and questions in the ratings and review sections on Apple Podcasts. Um, and this week I've got a question from somebody. It's a great question, and it's one that I've just set up in the opener there, but um, I'm going to pose to you, and then I'm going to give you my response. Now, the young lady that wrote to me um, wants to stay anonymous. That's absolutely fine. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out her note that she sent me. I'm going to summarise it a little bit because it was quite long. Uh, Thank you so much. You know who you are. Thank you for sending this in the first place. But let me read her note, and then we're going to go on to discuss 
First of all, how you might make the decision that she's now faced with and perhaps what factors might go into that. So she says, um, after saying thank you for the podcast, she says uh, she's just listened to the episode around making decisions like an F1 team. And she said, I was hoping to pick your brains on what tools you or a team would use based on my exact situation. She goes on to say, I've been working for years to make myself a prime candidate for a job in the F1 industry. She said, I've recently received a dream offer. However, it's come at exactly the point in my life where I've built a stable environment. I've got a house, I've got a dog, etc. And there'd be a relocation and lots of unknowns if I were to change now. She says, it is a dream job. She said, but you have had your F1 career and it feels like you did it the other way around. You joined F1 early and then have perhaps settled down later on. For me, it's the exact opposite. She says, what tools can I employ to decide whether to make the leap of faith into what could be the best thing I've ever done or stick with the comfortable life that I've built? Any advice will be really appreciated as you're a trusted source of guidance from the podcast. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that note. What a lovely note. What an amazing situation you find yourself in. If you spent years trying to break into the world of Formula One, first of all, congratulations on your persistence for continuing to do that. And presumably, as so many people do, there would have been knockbacks and setbacks all the way through that journey. And here you are, you've been given an offer. A dream job has kind of been put forward to you and offered. So somebody has seen something in you at a Formula One team that they believe you can add to their Formula One team. Now that, just that alone, that little sentence that I've just said there is something quite incredible. A Formula One team believes that what you have to offer can improve their Formula One team. Take that in for a moment, whether you decide to take it or not. Now, this dilemma, some of you might be saying, well, it's not a dilemma at all. Of course, you'd give your left arm to go and work in Formula One. But the truth is, and I'm going to use this as an example, but the reality is we face decisions like this all the way through our lives. And we all face them at different times. On one moment, they may seem like an easy decision. But if that same choice comes at a different stage in life, it can be a very, very different decision to make. Things that are changing in our lives all around change our perspective on something that we might have once seen as being a really obvious answer to a question. Now, the way that I responded, I'll tell you how I responded to this first, and then I think we'll, we'll go through exactly how these kind of decisions are made. And look, what uh, this person has asked me is how would a Formula One team make a choice like this? How would a Formula One team, what tools and processes would a Formula One team use or utilize to to come to a conclusion when there's a big decision? Now, I have done a whole episode, uh, as was alluded to in that question, around making decisions like a Formula One team. So rather than go over all of that again, do go and listen to that episode if you haven't uh, heard it or watched it yet. Um, But the way I would approach a question like this is... I'd look at my life right now. The situation that you're in sounds like a a nice one. It's a stable environment, like you said. You've got the sort of creature comforts of having your own home. You've got a dog. You've got a settled environment. That's an easy, nice thing to have and probably something that's equally taken you many years to build up to having. That's not the sort of thing that comes overnight. You grow into that. That's an achievement in itself to end up with a comfortable or an environment like that where you feel comfortable and you feel settled. That in itself is a huge positive. Many people 
don't get that or haven't got it and are striving for it. So that's a really big positive on one hand. The other thing is, you've obviously had this dream of working in Formula One for some time, hence the continuous chasing uh, to try and track down that dream job. Now, your questions you need to start asking yourself are, and these, by the way, I have responded privately to this person. So I'm going over this for the benefit of the podcast, but I have reached out to to her in a a lengthy email myself and given my take and advice. And we've had a number of conversations this week trying to help her to to come to a conclusion that's the right one for her. But the way that I have, have, or the way that I will summarize my response is that you've got to look at this from a perspective of, is that dream job still your dream? Do you still have a dream or a desire to work in Formula One? Or had you sort of let it go, thinking it was never going to happen, and perhaps your life has moved on? And if you have, there is nothing wrong with that. Because if your life's moved on to a place where actually you're very happy, well, that's wonderful. That's great. Because actually you may have found a, a fork in the road at some point a few years ago, and you've taken one of those paths If it's landed you in a place that's great and exciting and you're happy and you feel comfortable, feel settled, there's nothing wrong with continuing down that path. Ultimately, what we're all trying to achieve is that feeling of satisfaction, that feeling of happiness, of fulfillment. And if whatever your life currently gives you, if it ticks those boxes, that's a really great option to have on the table. But the other option, the other side of this is this huge carrot that somebody's now dangled in front of you. This option, and it is a genuine option because someone's given you a job offer, of giving you the opportunity to go and work for a Formula One team. And the main question that I went back to this person with in my conversations this week is, first of all, two questions really. First of all, can you do it? So can you, literally can you take the job? So could you relocate? Is that possible? Could you get somebody to help you with dog care if that's what you need, for example? Are those things logistically and physically possible to do? If the answer to that is yes, well, then that's one part answered. That means the option is still there. If those answers are yes, the next big question for me would always be in a moment like this. If you didn't take the job, if you decide to stick with the status quo and that makes you happy and you're great with that, If you take that choice, would you always regret not finding out what it was like to take that dream job? And for me, that's the question that you should always try and fast forward a little bit in your mind when you're having to make these big decisions. What's going to happen if you take path A and what's going to happen if you take path B? If path A is the path that you're existing, you're currently on, you kind of know, you've got a real insight into what that path looks like because you're on it. You know, where it might go, it may take different tweaks and turns further down the line, but you have some idea of where you're headed and where you're going and what that journey is going to be like because you're in it right now. And if it's great, as I said, that's wonderful. The other side of that, the other fork in this road, the other option is this great unknown. And for me, I would always have this feeling if I hadn't taken the job when it was offered to me, of what might it be? What might it have been like? What could I have achieved if I'd taken that dream job? What could I have affected? What successes, what experiences might I have gone through? Places would I have been to see? Which people would I have met along the way? How could it have changed my life? 
And those are the big questions that if you can ask yourself that and say, well, no, I'm really happy and comfortable where I am right now. I have made the decision in my mind to park that dream of Formula One. I'm going to go down a different path. I've got a new dream now and I'm on it. I'm on the journey towards it right now. And if you're comfortable with that, if you can square that off in your head, that's great. You go all in on the path that you're on. But if there's always going to be this little doubt, this unknown of what might have been, what could have been achieved. For me, that's something that I don't think I personally could have lived with. And this was kind of how the conversation went this week. It was, would you always regret not taking it and giving it a go? Because the other chance, the other option here is if you do take the job, if you do take the leap of faith and go for the dream job and you, you start working in Formula One, I mean, what if it doesn't work out? What's the sort of worst case scenario for you? You may decide somehow that you hate the job, that it doesn't work for you. You don't enjoy where you've had to relocate to. You don't like the people. It's just not for you. You might find that out once you get in there. Could you go back to the old ways of doing things? Could you go back to your comfortable life? Could you get yourself back into a house? Could you move back in and have the dog and have the life you have right now? Is that something you can go back to? Because the chances are that probably that's a yes. If you go the other way, how easy it's going to be if you suddenly change your mind later to go and get the dream job in Formula One again? Probably not that easy. You may have spent years trying to get there and the break has come. The chance has come now. So this is a difficult question. It's a difficult conclusion to come to. And it may seem so obvious to so many people. But my very point here is that these decisions that we face at times in our lives, as I said earlier on, depending when they come, at what moment in our life they come, the choice can look very, very different. And depending on which perspective you look at it from, it can also look very, very different. There'll be people listening to this podcast shouting, going, you've got to take the job, you've got to take the job. And that's a really obvious way to look at it. Many people will think that. I would have thought that myself. But you have to look at it from the perspective of the other person, the person in that situation. We know very little about this person's life other than the few details that I've been shared in the conversations that I've had this week, and I've shared a few of them with you here. We know very little about what's on the flip side of this particular decision. And I think that's the the point here. So in terms of trying to answer that question as to how a Formula One team might look at a big decision like that, it is kind of the same thing. You look at, and we have tools in Formula One that help us do this very quickly, of course. We have simulation tools. We're able to simulate the potential outcomes of making certain decisions. So if we're talking about race strategy, for example, we can decide, right, we want to go on a two-stop strategy. We're going to to stop for new tyres on lap 23. We can put that into a system. It will rapidly simulate what the most likely outcomes of that, of making that decision will be. We get a little vision of what the future looks like in this digital world of Formula One. We get this little digital vision of what the future looks like, and it can help us very clearly to make a choice A or B. In real life, we don't get the simulation tools. We have to use our own minds to try and fast forward in time and look ahead and try and imagine what life would be like with both of those decisions that we have the chance to make here. 
And of course, that's easier to do with one of those decisions, because as I said earlier, you're kind of in it right now. That's the status quo. It's the unknown, which is the hard one to figure out, to simulate in your own head. But my take on this is the one thing that I think we can simulate, the one thing that we can fast forward and look ahead into the future and give ourselves a pretty decent answer of, is what would our thinking be? Even if we don't know exactly what the job's going to look like, what's our thought process going to be like? And that's where I came to this return question where I said, would you always regret not taking it? Would you always have a question in your mind if you don't take the job of what would it have been like? What could I have done? All of these questions, if they remained unanswered forever in your mind, would be, for me at least, a constant frustration. And so we've had a conversation this week about those kind of things, but I thought it might be useful to look at this particular, this specific case, and of course the same methodology methodology, uh, methodology can be applied uh, to most of the situations like this that many of us listening to this podcast either will be facing right now, some of you, or have faced or will face in the future. Think about the thought process that might go, in your, go on in your mind. The obvious parts are easy. What are the mechanics of it going to look like? What are the logistics of it going to look like? Is it going to pay me more money? How's that going to change my life? Do I have to move and relocate? Am I going to be taken away from friends and family and loved ones? Those things are big, tangible things that we can kind of have some understanding at least of what that might look like for us if we take the job, if we make this particular decision. But what about the thought process? Because only you know what goes on in your own mind. Only you know how you react to certain types of situations inside your head. Are you somebody who holds on to regrets? Are you somebody who is inquisitive and curious and would always remain curious if you don't make one of those certain decisions? And if you are, how's that going to affect you? Is it going to drive you mad for years? Are you going to feel like you have missed out on something? Are you going to feel like you should have done it just to give it a try and have a go and see what life might have been like? Because if that's you, if that's something that would cause you years and years of constant frustration, is that constant frustration going to be something that's going to have a detrimental impact on the rest of your life. And if it is, and if we go back to what we said earlier, we're all striving for satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness. Is that constant niggling in the back of your mind going to take away from those things? And if the answer to those things is probably yes, probably yes, I know that I'm the sort of guy that would let that get to me and it would play on my mind forever. And that's going to take away from my constant search for fulfillment and happiness, well, then maybe that can help push me in a direction of one decision or the other. So I think it's a a useful way to think about these kind of decisions that we have to make in our lives, even one that seems as obvious as somebody offering you a dream job in Formula One, particularly for somebody who's dreamt of having that job for so many years. It's always useful to remember there's always another perspective to it. The very fact that this person wrote to me explaining her predicament, trying to ask for advice and somebody to talk to about how to go about making that decision shows you how difficult a decision it is. Because if it was easy, if it was the obvious choice, like many people I'm sure would certainly look at it as, 
she wouldn't have had to write to me. She wouldn't have even had to take that time to write the email and get into this conversation this week. There's always another perspective on every decision, and that includes the ones that we have to take, but also other people. Other people making decisions are not always looking at these decisions from the same perspective that we might. So when somebody makes a choice or a decision that might seem crazy to you, it may well have seemed absolutely sensible and the right thing to do to them. So always imagining the other person's perspective or giving room for the other person's perspective when judging a decision or having to take a decision is a really important thing. Now, I don't yet know what the outcome of this is yet. I don't think this person's actually made a decision yet. I have asked her to let me know what happens and what conclusion she comes to. And perhaps uh, with her permission, I might be able to share that when we get that answer. But I'll pass it on. And um, look, I hope the advice helps. Uh, Whatever happens, though, as I said earlier, huge congratulations for getting to this point. For getting to the point where a Formula One team sees such value in you that they're willing to offer you this job, which may or may not end up being a dream job. Only you will know and only you can decide. But I hope the, uh, the conversations that we've had and the discussions and any advice is helpful to you. OK, now I want to say a big thank you, as I said earlier, to Car Gods. Car Gods uh, have been supporting the podcast right through season five, and I'm really grateful to them for doing that. Um, they are helping to push the podcast into new places. They're helping me to spread the word uh, further and wider. And that's really what I would, you know, have set out to try and achieve with this. I really enjoy doing it. I know that many of you enjoy listening to it. And I want to try and help as many people as possible benefit from the experience that I've had in Formula One that I know can help so many other people. I've had this privileged life, this privileged existence of working in this elite environment of Formula One with elite level people. And every time you work with elite level people and in this elite level environment, it rubs off on you. We learn things every day. We learn things about ourselves in a Formula One team. We learn things about working with others. And all of these different things that I have learned have helped me in my life, in all of the pursuits and businesses that I'm involved with today. It's all come or at least all been helped through my time in Formula One. One of those traits, I think, that I have definitely picked up from my time at McLaren is this idea of attention to detail. And that, I think, is where Car Gods fits in so well, because attention to detail is part of their DNA. I mean, if you think about car detailing... Obviously, it's about attention to detail. There's a big difference between just cleaning your car and detailing your car. And it's literally in the name. It's about the details that you put into it. Uh, I've got to apologise for the noise, by the way. The rain has just started pouring down on the roof. And uh, I am, if you're watching this on YouTube, sitting in the middle of a building site that is my house at the moment, whilst we have some major renovation works going on. And I'm really sorry, but the noise from the rain on the windows above me It's now quite loud, but there you go. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, (laughs) um, But yes, look, uh, in fact, days like this is exactly where Car God's products on your car will really help you because I I was very fortunate enough to put a rain coating, a protective coating on my car uh, recently. And I used, obviously used Car God's products for that. And it does help the rain just to bead away. And on a dirty winter's day, like it is today, when you've got muddy puddles being splashed all over your car, 
it is incredible how these products just keep it looking shiny allow the, the muddy rainy dirty water to just pour away and bead off the surface it's quite magical to watch um, but attention to detail is what I was saying here detailing your car is literally that it's detailing it's going into the the tiny little nooks and crannies it's not only using a little bit of hard work and elbow grease and patience to get into the, all those little key areas that are going to make the difference, but it's using the right products to do that as well. And that's where car gods really are a step above everybody else. And I've said this before, but I've used so many car products from so many different brands and genuinely, and this is the very reason that I approached car gods in the beginning to become a partner with me, genuinely, the car gods products that I have used are the best. They are the best that I have found so far. And that's because of the care and attention that goes into making them. I've been to their HQ. I talked about that a few episodes ago. I've been into their lab where the scientists, and it's a proper looks it looks like the inside of the mclaren technology center uh, people in white lab coats that are just concocting new uh, mixtures and formulations they're testing new products all of the time they develop their own products and they've got some amazing things in the pipeline some amazing demonstrations at some point i'd love to get up there and make a video that i will put onto my youtube channel i'd love to do that at some stage because it's just fascinating to see. I know that you'd appreciate seeing it. Um, but I want to say a big thank you to Car Gods because they are really, really helping. And you could really help me by going to see them at their website, cargods.com. Um, if you want to buy something, that would be amazing. Obviously, there's some great stuff. There's an advent calendar which is just brilliant. I've talked about this before, but I got one last year and it is amazing. Uh, a great Car Gods product every single day in your calendar for a month building up to Christmas. And um, I mean, look, if you've got somebody in your life who's into their cars, this is a great gift, believe me. But go check them out. And if you do go to cargods.com, look, if you feel like you're, you, you're able to send them a message, drop them a note, follow them on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter, um, send them a note. Tell them that you heard about them from here at the podcast. That would also make a huge difference to me. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. So thank you. OK, I want to move it on. OK, last week we had World Mental Health Day. A great initiative to really draw attention to the mental health crisis that's going on right across the planet. There's a lot of good being done, of course. I saw a huge amount on social media, a lot of content being produced around the mental health crisis and advice being given to lots of people, lots of articles being written, things on television, on radio. It was everywhere, as it should be, raising awareness and really doing things to try and help in a positive way where people might be suffering through poor mental health. And I watched a lot of this stuff. I read a lot of stuff about it as well. It's a, a subject that I'm really interested in. I'm sure almost everybody listening to this podcast right now will either have been affected personally by poor mental health uh, or know somebody who is suffering as a result of poor mental health. And the reality is we all suffer or have suffered or will suffer at some stage. One thing that struck me on World Mental Health Day was that we've tended to use the term mental health now as a negative term in itself. We tend to talk about mental health being a problem. Actually, mental health is not a problem. Mental health is the same as physical health. It is a state that's on a sort of spectrum, an endless and infinite spectrum. 
where you can have positive mental health, just like you can have positive health or good health, and you can have bad health or poor health, the same way you can have poor mental health. So just to clarify that mental health in in itself is not something that we should just associate with negativity, because actually we can do things to help us get into a positive mental health state, and that can be a really great thing. So negative or poor mental health is the problem. Poor mental health, people suffering with poor mental health is a genuine crisis going on all around the world. And on World Mental Health Day, as I said, there was a lot of advice uh, on social media, lots of video content being put out there from lots of different people giving advice for anyone who might be suffering. And it's all great advice. It's also advice for people who might be living with or dealing with somebody who's suffering with poor mental health. And this is all really, really useful stuff. It's great that there is a day like this where the whole world gets behind this crisis, and it is a genuine crisis, and does things, shares things that might be there to try and help. Much of that advice, as I sat and watched through a lot of this content and read this content, much of that advice was the sort of things you'd imagine it would be. It's things like um, talking, If you are suffering in any way, go and talk to somebody. And it's people sharing the numbers or the websites of organizations that can help with this. There are some great ones out there. McLaren, my former team, have partnered with Mind, a wonderful organization doing a massive amount to help people in the mental health crisis. The advice is go and seek out one of these organizations. If you can't do that, you don't want to do that. Talk to somebody at home, talk to a friend, a colleague, a loved one. Just talk about it because if you keep it bottled up, it's going to come out somewhere. It's going to give you some negative effects, if not right now, somewhere further down the line. So the advice is always to talk. Talking is a wonderful way of offloading some of your problems or sharing some of your problems, getting some other perspective back, some advice back perhaps, allowing somebody to share their problems with you is another great piece of advice. If you're a friend of somebody who you think might be suffering, or even of somebody who you're not even sure if they're suffering or not, but if you want to be a good friend, being there as a sounding post for someone in your life to share their problems with, even if they're not suffering right now, at some stage further down the line, if they know that you are there to talk if they need them, if they need you to be That can be a really comforting thing. So much of this advice is about talking to people. There's other advice about things that we can do from a physical perspective that can really help uh, help us to sort of minimise these negative effects of poor mental health. So sleep. Sleep's a really good one. Sleep is hugely important. If we don't get enough sleep, we will suffer. We'll suffer physically, but also we'll suffer mentally. The food and the things we put into our body, of course, in the same way can affect our physical health, but also our mental health. And if we put the wrong things in, we can start to have a negative impact in both of those areas. So much of this advice was things like that. What can we do? If you're suffering, here are some of the things that might help you. Here are some of the things that you can try to do or make changes in your life or things that you should go and try and people you should talk to, people you should seek out for help. Lots of this stuff was around that. And over the day, as I watched it, I thought this is wonderful, you know, because it will help people. There will be people out there who are suffering, who 
perhaps didn't know about these particular organisations, for example, perhaps have never thought to reach out to a friend, somebody in their life that actually they could talk to and, and it might really help them. So if people are going to be helped by all this stuff, it's great. It's really, I'm a real supporter of it. But the other thing that really dawned on me as I went through this day, taking in all of this content around advice for people suffering with poor mental health, was that almost all of the advice, if not all of the advice, the advice around minimising your negative effects of poor mental health. And if we think about mental health and this, this sort of infinite spectrum, you know, we're all somewhere in this spectrum of our mental health. It's either in a good place or it's in a not so good place or it's somewhere in between, somewhere in the middle. And it's also something that's constantly evolving and changing. It's constantly swinging backwards and forwards across this spectrum, depending on all sorts of different things. It'll change at different phases of our lives. It'll change at different phases of the same day sometimes. It's constantly evolving and moving. And these things, these bits of advice that we were being given last week was all in an attempt to try and just move the needle back, move the needle back towards a sort of neutral and then a more positive part of that endless spectrum. When I listened to all the advice, what dawned on me over the day was that almost all of this advice that we're being given around how to do that, how to minimise these negative effects of our mental health, is the same advice, exactly the same advice. And that's what really struck me, is it's literally the same, the same advice that I was given at McLaren in Formula One when we were part of this elite organisation looking to try and improve ourselves to achieve high performance in every single area to be the best to take on the competition to maximize our chances of success so everything around elite level performance whether you're a formula one driver a mechanic an engineer you know a part of a formula one team where everyone's trying to get maximum success every single day to be the very best versions of ourselves that we can be exactly the same advice applied. Now, we sought out experts in our field at McLaren. We went to physical experts in terms of physical training to give us bespoke training programs that we could help to maximize our physical capabilities. We went through talking to to experts around how sleep can affect our performance and how best to maximize our sleep, both in terms of the amount of hours, but also the quality of that sleep. Detailed scientific approaches to all of this stuff, all tailored towards maximum performance. We looked at the way we structured our days, the routines that we went through. We looked at, and this is a really big one, and this is the one that jumped out at me. We looked at how we communicate with each other. When we're looking to maximise performance, and if you think about a Formula One team, you think about communication in a Formula One team, is everything. You know, in my role, I would prepare a car for a racing driver. I'd send that driver out onto the racetrack. They'd then come back in and they'd talk to me about how the car performed. They would give me their feedback about what was going on with the car at different stages of the racetrack, what their feelings were. And I would communicate back about the things that I thought I might be able to do to help improve that to maximise the car's performance. I had to do whatever I could to give the driver the best opportunity to get the most out of the car, which would then maximise our chances in the race. That's the way that a Formula One team works. We are always striving to be the best of the best. 
And crucially, we're striving to be better than everybody else. It's a cutthroat, competitive world where the only thing that matters is that we get to the chequered flag before everybody else on that racetrack. Because that means we've won. We've achieved our goals and targets. We are the very best in the world at doing that thing on that particular day. So, so much time and effort and resource was put into finding ways to make us better in every single area. And when we brought in these experts on teamwork, on culture, at the team culture, uh, we brought in experts on personal development, on nutrition and physical training, exercise, all of these different experts in every single field that we could think of would come in and give us advice to be better than the competition. And that advice in almost every case was exactly the same advice as we were being given all the way through World Mental Health Day. Sleep, maximizing your sleep. If you can get a good night's sleep, you start to minimize those negative impacts of poor mental health. But also, if you maximize what sleep and what quality sleep you get, you can perform at your very highest level the next day. Same advice. Keeping yourself a little bit fit, keeping yourself active and taking exercise can also have a wonderful impact on minimising the negative effects of poor mental health. Getting outside, going for a walk, getting some fresh air, taking some exercise regularly every single day can really help you if you're suffering and struggling with poor mental health. But also, if you want to maximise your physical capabilities, if you want to be in the very best place physically and mentally to maximise whatever you want to achieve that particular day, taking some exercise, doing a regular exercise routine is a great way to do that. Thinking about the kinds of foods that you eat, the kinds of fuel you put into your body, that's clearly something that can have an impact on poor mental health. If you're struggling or suffering with poor mental health and you only eat junk fruit, junk food, if you binge on chocolate and ice cream, it's not going to help your poor mental health in the long run. You may get some very short-term satisfaction out of stuffing a, a tub of ice cream down, but in the long run, it's probably only going to make the effects of that negative mental health even worse, somewhere or somehow. But exactly the same thing applies to achieving maximum performance. You've got to put the right fuels in. You've got to eat correctly, get the right types of nutrition so that your body's performing at its maximum level when you need it to for whatever task you're trying to achieve at work or in life the next day. Same advice, different problem. And the really big one was communication, like I said. Formula One is all about communication and the one that I've just described there, that simple means of communication between the team, the engineering team and the driver. That's one tiny part, of course, but it's a really crucial part. So we were trained on how to communicate. Communicating and sharing your understanding, your feedback, the things that you have experienced. Sharing those things means you're sharing that knowledge. It means you're passing some feedback or understanding onto somebody else who might be able to take a slightly different perspective on it and give you some advice back in return. That's the advice that we give to people when they're struggling and suffering 
with poor mental health, to go and share some of those problems, to talk it through, to find somebody who you can offload to, who you can talk about these things so that you're not dealing with it all by yourself. In Formula One, we would look at it exactly the same way. If you've got some challenge on your plate, trying to deal with that on your own means that you're restricting the amount of resource, the amount of experience and understanding that you can throw at that problem. If only one person is looking at a problem on their own and keeping it on their own, they are limited to the understanding, the experiences, the knowledge that they have inside their own head, and that's it. Whereas if you talk to others, if you start to share that challenge with other people, you can get different perspectives on it. Somebody else might come at it from a completely different angle. They might open your eyes to a better way of doing things. They might be able to just offer some advice that can help you overcome that challenge in a better way, in a more efficient way or in a more productive way. It's the same advice. If you want to be the very best at whatever it is you set out to achieve, whether it's in a Formula One team, in your own work or just in life, the same advice applies. Talk to people, communicate, learn to communicate in the most efficient way. Don't keep things bottled up on your own. These things can have a massive impact on how productive you can be, on how efficient you can be, on what level of performance you're able to achieve. They say teamwork makes the dream work. And that's a saying we use all the time in Formula One. And it's absolutely true, of course. Using the team around you makes you way more powerful than trying to do something on your own. And that really is a very similar piece of advice to anyone who might be suffering. Suffering in silence and suffering on your own can often make things so much worse for you. And actually, when you realize that people around you, the people who love you, the people who care about you, are there to help. They would always want to help you if they can. That's what being a friend is. That's what being family is. They would want to become part of your team. And if you didn't make them part of your team, they may well feel, they may well feel left out. They may well feel disappointed that you didn't ask them in the first place. Teamwork can make the dream work in Formula One, but it can also really help somebody who might be suffering. And as I said earlier on, even if they're not suffering right now, knowing that they've got a team around them that can be there if they do need them at some point can be such a comforting thing to have in your life. So the advice that we all got on World Mental Health Day was to reach out to other people. And that's reach out if you're struggling yourself, if you're suffering, reach out to somebody, find somebody to talk to. It's great advice. But also, if you're not suffering, if you're in a good place, if your mental health is in a good part of that spectrum and you've got good mental health, that's wonderful. You can also reach out to those people around you just in case one of those is not in such a good place as you. Knowing that they've got a friend who's there for them if they need them is a great thing to have in your life. So teamwork can definitely make the dream work in so many different areas of life and business, quite frankly, as well. But isn't it interesting that that same advice that we were receiving all day on World Mental Health Day is so similar, if not exactly the same, to the advice that I received over 10 years at an elite organisation like McLaren, constantly striving to be the very best. It's the same advice. 
And so the point I'm trying to make with all of this is that whilst, yes, of course, it's wonderful advice, all that stuff we heard last week was great. Take it in, embrace it, listen to it, act on it if you feel you can or you need to. But don't only wait until you've got a problem. Don't only wait until you're suffering with poor mental health to take those actions. Because those actions, if you take them today, even if you don't feel you're in any way struggling or suffering in that area, those same actions, if you take them right now, can put you on a path towards high performance that will help you to achieve your dreams much quicker. It will help you to achieve more, to have more success to get to where you want to be, to climb the ladder that you might be trying to climb, to get you on this journey through life in a much better, more fulfilling way, and hopefully get you to that point of happiness that we should all be trying to strive for. This same advice, getting you off the bottom end of that spectrum, if you're struggling badly with poor mental health, that same advice can take you in a positive direction, whichever part of the spectrum you're sat on right now. You may be right up near the top, feeling wonderful, full of great mental health. Utilizing that same advice, taking it on, embracing it, well, that might just get you right up towards the top, a little bit further up that spectrum. Move the dial in an even more positive way. Getting your sleep and maximizing your sleep is crucially important to all of this stuff. And one of the things that we were always taught at McLaren was it's not just about the amount of hours that you spend in your bed. It's about training yourself, preparing yourself for sleep, you know, getting yourself off the screens a couple of hours before you're due to go to sleep, not eating in the couple of hours before you're due to go to sleep, doing things that will calm your body and mind in the build up to that making sure your bedroom is comfortable, that it's in the right temperature zone, that it's not got light pollution in there. All of these little tiny tweaks, these little details can maximise both the amount of sleep you have from the moment you get into bed to the moment you get out of bed. That is your maximum potential sleeping time on that particular night. But if you're spending the first hour or two physically and mentally winding down, that's an hour or two of potential sleep that you've lost. If you start that winding down process earlier on before you get into bed by reading or listening to some calming music, having a conversation around something positive with somebody in your household, these are all things that you can do in the hour before you go to bed. Staring at your phone, the blue light coming off your phone, scrolling through social media, listening to negative stories, the news, listen to negativity across those social media channels, channels, things that provoke you, listening to loud music, having the big sort of fluorescent lights on or electric lights. Modern lights are not good for our sleep patterns. All of these little details we can tweak and they can start to maximise the amount of sleep that we have. Sleep can have a wonderful, positive effect on our lives. And we take it for granted, so many of us. I do the same. I'm not great. I don't sleep for long enough. I don't, I'm not in bed for long enough. I maybe don't need as much sleep as many other people, but I don't maximise all the time what I have. It's something that I'm sort of working on, I guess. But I do know the benefits of putting in that effort. They're massive. 
in so many areas, as I've just described earlier on. And the same thing with things like food and nutrition. We all know that putting the right things into our body can have a massive impact on what physical, but also what mental capabilities we have for the following day. What we can achieve, what we can do can be a direct result, at least to some extent, of how we fuel ourselves. So thinking about those details too, and just making some very small changes can have actually some quite significant knock-on effects to our performance, but also our physical and mental health by just making these tiny little tweaks to our diet. And these, all of these things that I've talked about, all of these little pieces of advice, you can go through and Google them, you can look them up, they're easy to find, they're everywhere. But the point I was trying to make with this whole part of the podcast was the advice that we give to people when they're suffering to try and help them out of that suffering or to improve their state, just a small amount, is the same advice that we should all be taking every single day. And so whilst World Mental Health Day was a wonderful thing, first of all, every day should be a mental health day because we can improve our mental health every single day. There are people suffering with mental health every single day that need help, that need support, that need advice. But whether you're suffering or not, you can still make these same tweaks and changes to your life and your lifestyle that can move the needle towards a more high performance perspective. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you're either a fan of Formula One or that you're looking to achieve more in your life. Hopefully both of those things are true. And if they are, these pieces of advice that I learnt from a high performance perspective inside the world of F1 and that we also were being bombarded with last week on World Mental Health Day, it's good advice. It's advice that's worth listening to. And I urge you, do a little bit of research. Just check some of these things out for yourself. Find out what works for you. But make constant changes. Constantly look to evolve yourself. If you're sitting in a pattern and you're suffering in some way, or even if you're not suffering but not achieving everything you want to achieve, look at the patterns in your life because they may be in some way responsible for that. People who suffer with poor mental health, there are quite often patterns that have built up to that point, that have led to that point. And only when we go back and reflect, and it's very difficult to do that when you are suffering, but quite often part of therapy and talking to people is understanding the patterns that have led you to the place that you're in today. Look at the patterns that are in your life. Are they helping you to achieve more? Have those patterns been the same for a long period of time? Is it worth revisiting and looking at those patterns and understanding if there might be some tweaks that you could make to change them to make them better? Changing the patterns will quite often change the outcomes. So if the outcomes you have right now are not the ones that you're dreaming of, if they're not the ones that you're striving for, maybe changing the patterns, the habits that you go through, the things that you eat, the way that you sleep, the exercise you get, the the way you think and behave, those patterns can have a huge impact or a huge knock-on effect to the eventual outcomes that will come further down the line. So the patterns you install today will lead to an outcome at some point in the future. Depending on what you want that outcome to be, you might have to start thinking about those patterns a little bit sooner than you might think. 
Okay, thank you guys. I'm going to leave it there because I think we're pretty much close to the hour being up here. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's listened to this podcast and quite frankly, any of the episodes that we've done on the Pit Lane Life Lessons podcast. It's a real pleasure for me to do this. It's a a privileged position that I find myself on. I really enjoy it. I find it therapeutic to to me, for myself. Talking about these kind of things is therapeutic, but it's also really positive for me knowing that so many people are being helped by the advice that I'm able to give. And I'm able to give it from a perspective of having lived through these experiences in Formula One. I have been taught this stuff because it was all aimed at getting me and my Formula One team to a place of success, to become the best Formula One team that we could possibly be. And that's a very privileged position to have. I've been in rooms with experts from all across the world in every one of those fields that I talked about. And I've spoken to them. I tried to take in as much information as I could. At the time, I was doing that to improve my performance at work, to improve the performance of our Formula One team. It was trying to win races and win world championships. But that same advice has stood me in such great stead for so much of my life since then. I know how lucky I was to be part of that process, to be exchanging ideas with some of the world's best thinkers and leaders in each of their individual fields. I've taken that back into the world of McLaren where we talked about it further, developed it, put our own spin on it, shared that with elite individuals in the same organisation. And we came to conclusions, the kind of conclusions that I know have helped me endlessly in all of the pursuits that I have been through since leaving the team. And it's those lessons and those learnings that I'm here to share with you, to be able to pass this on. It's not something that I feel is secretive. It's not something that has to be behind this sort of this ring fence of of the exclusivity of Formula One. The podcast exists to share what I know with you in the hope that it can help you to achieve more in your lives, whatever achievements you're setting out to, to find, whatever success looks like for you. That's why I do it. And knowing that that helps you is gives me enormous satisfaction. I would love to know if it's helping you. I'd love to know what you take from these episodes. So please continue to give me feedback, to continue giving me those reviews in the Apple Podcast Store. They make a massive difference to how this podcast is received, how it's shared, how it's spread, how many more people get to see it. Those little tiny reviews and all they take is a moment. A five-star rating if you've enjoyed it and a review goes so far. But the messages that I receive from you on social... Whenever you tag me in an Instagram post, I will repost it. I will engage with it. I will have a conversation with you. I'm here for that. If you've got a question, send it to me. We started today's podcast with a question from one of you. And I love that. And I'd love to to do more of that. So please continue to send me questions. Send me feedback. If you haven't loved something about the podcast, I want to know that too. This is about trying to improve it for you. So any feedback you have, send it my way. I will take it on board. I will respond to you wherever I can. 
I spend a lot of time responding to all of the messages that I get across all of my social channels. Please do continue to do that. So thank you very much for spending another hour with me this week. I appreciate it. Thank you again to Car Gods. And please do go and check out cargods.com because even if you're not the sort of person who has a super expensive car, doesn't have a car that you absolutely want to go and show off at car shows and it has to be in the most pristine condition at all times. It doesn't matter. Some of the Car Gods products are there to look after your car. It's preventative maintenance, keeping your car clean and tidy and well presented, well looked after and well maintained are the kinds of things that will put off the need for expensive repair repair bills further down the line. So go check out cargods.com. You will find something that you like. I almost guarantee it. There are some great products and definitely go check out that advent calendar. Okay, thank you very much once again. I'm going to leave it there, but listen, whatever it is you're up to this week, just try and remember this. Use it as a little mantra every single day. Check in with yourself at the end of every day and ask yourself, how close did I come to doing this? This is what I want you to remember. Do the right things. Do the things right.